0: guys welcome to the first episode of the collegiate cornhole podcast you are joined with jagger Pfeiffer and cory riddle my
1: name is Corey riddle i go to the university of the cumberland and my major i'm actually doing a triple major now i'm doing a triple sports major
0: science,
1: <laughs> and sports science, fitness and sports management and coaching that's awesome and I'm thinking about maybe going back for my either my master's in athletic trainer
0: or uh, coaching. That's awesome. Uh, that, that's awesome to hear. Um, what year are you? Are you freshman, sophomore?
1: I'm a sophomore.
0: You're a sophomore. All right. No, now is that last semester because we just we just so, finished up finals week.
1: Going into I'm going into my junior year right now.
0: Going. Okay. Okay. So that we're 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 the same. We're pacing at the same same rate right now because i yeah. i finished up my finals for my sophomore year last week yeah. and so my name is jagger peiffer i am a mechanical engineering technology major um at the university of Oklahoma state and i'm i'm going into my junior year this this next semester and uh yeah i'm i'm not a triple major like some people <laughs> it was supposed to be a
1: double major but then i was like i was looking at it, i was like i could add an extra like class or two for a major and i could like that that might have a big say in someone who doesn't have a college education and coaching because like personally like you know, I could be a teacher if I wanted to, but, like, I don't want to look in – I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want that to be my career. I want to, like – I want to go out there and just focus on coaching. I just want to be, like, you know, this is my job. This is what
0: I want to do. I just want to coach. So so what exactly do you want to do?
1: Like, uh, I wouldn't – I would not mind to, like, run the YMCA or, like, run the, uh, like, you know, park in the city park or whatever. Like, run the Little League and, like, manage the parks and stuff like that. Or, you know, just be a full-time coach, like, for a sport, you know, just focus on coaching. And, like, you know, with the facility and sports management, you know, like, I can, you know, be able to open a gym, run the gym, you know, be able to manage facility, And with that as well, I would, you know, I would love, like, I've always enjoyed it, like, maintenance for fields, like, going out there and taking care of the baseball field, making sure the lines are straight, making sure the edges are, you know, crisp. Like, that
0: just, it's so, like, relaxing. It sounds like you should have got a turf grass management minor with it. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not any dad. Well, I don't think,
1: Dublin don't offer that. So
0: I, you know, I don't know if I would have to that. I, I, I know Oklahoma State's got one. <laughs> I mean, That's
1: a good 14 hours away. I don't
0: know about that. Just take I don't online know. classes. <laughs> I'm to have to come out right there and join
1: the Cornhole Club.
0: I, I, we'll have you. Come on now. <laughs> we, can, we can use the players. Yeah, that that that's awesome though. So it'd be awesome if you could be one of the D one's first um collegiate cornhole coaches. That that that'd be awesome. Now that would be a dream come true. Just yeah, exactly. Film. How
1: how could you not how could you argue that? I mean exactly.
0: Yeah, that, cornhole all day.
1: Uh, <laughs> coach kit cornhole. Like you exactly. can't complain.
0: So something that's kind of cool is um we, uh, as a, so we're, we're a sports club at Oklahoma state. So we're under that kind of uh, classification. And so I found out the other day at one of our uh, sports club meetings that we can actually um, hire or have a coach on like our cornhole club staff. And so my, one of my partners and, or my my main partner that I throw with, he's actually not a student in Oklahoma State. He just lives lives at in Stillwater, and he is actually a TSA agent at the airport here. But, dude's wicked awesome at cornhole. Loves to play. He's playing whenever he gets a chance, and he comes every Wednesday night to throw with us. Everything, and I'm I want to make him our official cornhole club coach with the pay- paperwork. Uh, hopefully, we are able to. Uh, to get get that set up for him. I I think it'd be really awesome to have it. He won't, it won't be a paid or on salary It'd be more of an honorary thing, but it'd be awesome to kind of have that little title. And then I can tell him he's the first D one cornhole club coach in the nation.
1: (laughs) I mean, I might have to come to Oklahoma for that when you hire me.
0: (laughs) I would definitely hire you. That'd be awesome. I, I think that's a one thing that I think we're all hoping is in the future is that, it the sport can spread to a uh uh spread to a national notoriety enough to where we can have those athletic programs with hired coaches. I know it'd be it'd be awesome to have people like Derek King and Jamie Graham who are running these like coaching things like if we could get them to move to places like Stillwater or like Cumberlands and places like that to like really get their like actual coaching and like they can be a pro and then their job instead of having their regular 9 to 5 job is they're a collegiate cornhole coach. They're actually hired by the university and that's basically their their time. That's their 9 to 5 instead of having their regular like, I feel like that would be a great avenue for the pro side as well is to be able to have those pro players actually coaching at colleges.
1: Exactly. I mean, you would have that pro, that pro player, like you said, coaching at a college. But not only are they going to be working, nine to five, they're 9-5, they're going to be playing cornhole. So they're only going to be getting better, and they're only going to be teaching the word, that you know, they're only going to be teaching cornhole. Exactly. So like,
0: it's only – it's only going
1: to develop the game of Cornhole more and more.
0: It sounds like, it sounds like this is like the best avenue for even players to be fully like, cause that's a, a one thing you hear a lot of around like Cornhole community is wanting to develop the game to a point that players are completely professional. So like, their idea is like increasing the payouts to the point to where it's on par with like NFL and NBA salaries and which I, I mean, that's obviously a long time down the road, but enough to where they can get by without actually having to have a nine to five. Like they make a living only throwing cornhole. And I feel like doing something like that and being a collegiate cornhole coach or even a cornhole coach, like at a high school, like we, we see that developing uh, also is the high school division and doing something like that where they're on staff at a school is just another Avenue to where that this is their job. Like Cornhole is their job.
1: Yeah. I mean, and if you like, think about it, I don't know if you've seen this article or not, but about Rosie Stryker, she used to be a teacher, but like, she wanted to focus more on Cornhole and I, that's what she's doing now. She's like going to all every local blind draw, every tournament she can to play cornhole just to try to earn a living. That way she can focus more on that cornhole side of her life. And another guy that, you know, another pro that I've seen is Nate Boyer. He's a teacher. I I don't know if you know that or not, but I've seen it on Facebook. where He uh, has taken his skinny board to school and while the kids are like at lunch, at recess, or whatever they may be at, while he's got the classroom free, he's got it set up on each side of the classroom trying to practice while he can. Like, you know, that's the thing you see within the pro circuit is like, you know, guys work nine to five, or they work, like, they work a regular forty-hour job, and they're not getting enough time to practice because they got a family they got to take care of as well. You know, they gotta go out and do stuff for their kids. They gotta mow the yard. They gotta do other chores too, so they're not getting to take their time to just. Cornhole only. Like Mm. NFL players, they're making millions and millions of dollars just to go out there. I mean, like, you know, they they've obviously earned it. But they're going out there and they're playing football. Why can't Cornhole be that?
0: Exactly. It's it's obviously the next step in the overall game progression is becoming a league like that to where like people don't like that's their job is just throwing throwing bags. It's 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 the next progression in the uh, evolution of the game, and I think along with that is just like more national notoriety. Which every day we're seeing more people getting serious about, about this game, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, you see on Facebook every day like people. I'm just now getting started in the cornhole. Where can I go play? Where can I? What bag do I need? You know. So. I mean, and you know, I think another thing that's really developed over the, you know, the really over the last probably ten years, I would say, is esports. It's been like cornhole. You know, mm-hmm. everybody would try to compete and have their regular jobs, but it's getting to the point where now, like all these people twitch streaming, you know, whatever the streaming thoughts are, to where they're playing games twenty four seven and that's their living. And then they exactly. go compete. They go compete in big tournaments, like you know, all the cornhole players do as well, like. Competing in a tournament for one big prize—we're seeing that a lot more as well. You know, like mm-hmm. now, esports has even became a collegiate sport and a high school sport as well.
0: Exactly. This uh, past couple years, uh, Oklahoma State developed a—it's I think it's probably it's a multi-million-dollar esports facility. I mean, they have all kinds of esports gaming's like built PCs, everything for their their esports stuff. And they're trying to attract those up and coming like Twitch streamers and kids who play video games to come to Oklahoma State to join their esports team so they can get their, that kind of notoriety because they ov- obviously see the importance of esports. And I feel like Cornhole is going to get to that level to where they're going to invest time into us. And then once they invest time into us, I mean, we're there. It, it, it's going to be the next big thing. It, it is the next big thing already. Have you been playing any bronze draws or anything lately? Yeah, so I went, to, uh, I went to a switch last night, and I played. And uh, so it was a four-run switch. It's in a little town just north of Stillwater called Perry. And uh, one of my friends is actually just getting the league started up there. So I went there last week, didn't do too bad. So I showed back up this week, and they had a, they had the biggest turnout that they've had in a while especially just for starting it up they had 20 people out and i was like this is awesome and uh so i thought I, I was throwing really good i was throwing the vikings and uh i actually ended up throwing some more pigs too i've been l- liking those my buddy peyton he's got a he's got a set and we, we've been throwing them a little bit and uh i put first in the switch And he ran at top-bottom, so I got I got matched with the worst person there. But I carried for two games and got us two wins, and we we ended up going two and two on the night. And I was happy with that. So, what about you? You can't complain.
1: Uh, Actually, I have not been playing in any tournaments or any blind draws or anything because I've been super busy with work and getting out of classes and trying to get my schedule back together. But I think I might be going to play tomorrow at a little blind draw and then break down doubles. And then I think this Saturday I might be playing another one too as well. So I'm trying there to get
0: my move. Awesome. Awesome. So you're an umpire, right? Yeah, I'm umpire baseball.
1: So like last night I got off work at three o'clock yesterday and went straight to Umpire Baseball game. Didn't get back to like 10 o'clock. So yeah. It takes a lot of time.
0: Yeah. I've I I used to be an umpire. I did it a little bit in high school and it's uh it's it's an interesting it's an interesting gig. What age group do you have? Do you do T-ball or do you do, like, high schoolers? I do from, like, coaches
1: pitch all the way up to high school. Really? Yeah. yeah. Last night I did a middle school game. Like, tomorrow night I was supposed to have a coach's pitch game, and then Thursday night I got a high school game. So, like, I'm just going all through everything.
0: Yeah. I bet your strike zone goes from big to small as far as you go if you're behind the plate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, especially in middle school, because you'll have some kids that are in like eighth grade, or you'll have some kids that growed a lot, and they'll be like five, eight, six, two, whatever. And you'll have some kids that come up here, and they're like, luckily hitting four foot, and their stride zone goes from like way up here to go you know, like this. And you're like, now come on, now, why do you have to do this? And like, you know, personally, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm like six one, six two, like two seventy. I'm a pretty big guy. Then I have these little kids out there, maybe weigh one hundred five pounds if they're pushing that they like about this wide and I'm like trying to get behind them and stay up, you know, not get hit by every pitch. hmm Exactly. It's a very interesting gig, as you said. You just, you gotta have thick skin for it. Yeah. You to have thick, yeah. thick
0: skin. I I had the opportunity to uh, I I did all, I did T ball and then I actually ended up doing a um like a competitive high school like travel team tournament. I, I didn't like that range. And I, when I did that travel team tournament, it was tough. It was, it's some of the toughest baseball to call, especially when I was just doing coach pitch stuff. And exactly. there, was, there was one time I was, I, I got behind the plate and I hated being behind the plate just for the, the fact of is just it, you're calling something to every play and then you got to hear exactly. it from people, every pitch. And so it was a night game, and it was – uh this team had, like, a, an uppers and, like, a lower team. Like, it was kind of like a JV in a high school, but it was, like, for travel teams. So, it kind of have like, two teams in there. Yeah. And so, they were playing each other, so they knew each other. So, it was kind of relaxed. It, it wasn't too bad. And uh, I had this guy. Uh, he was still on, I think, mid to high 80s. He was whipping it in there for for a high schooler. And, yeah. uh, and so – the batter behind the plate. And I, I set up in the slot, like you usually do It's kind of right there behind the catcher's head and kind of in that little gap. And, wow. uh, he went back and he he swung and it, it was just a foul tip and the catcher missed it. Cause it was coming in hot and it hit me right here, like right here on the neck. And it, it hit Ooh. my chain right here. And I had a big bruise all the way down my collarbone right there. And I thought it hit me in the throat. Like at first, so it scared the crap out of me, but it kind of hit me in the collarbone more, and that kind of saved me from from having Adam's apple on my throat for a little while. But yeah. it, it definitely knocked the breath out of me. It 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 took it took me a shot. <laughs> yeah, personally, I think I would rather
1: be behind the plate though.
0: I, so so what what's your preference? Like why. What what's your reasoning behind wanting to be behind the plate rather than the field?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I've been told by multiple coaches and different umpires, just heard from different coaches and everything. I do a great job behind the plate, and I I feel like you have more control of the game. Mm. And like especially it's, it's like I hate being out in the field. Like especially if it's like a really good team, like two good teams playing each other or something like that, because you got all these close plays and stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's like, true
1: have everybody always screaming at you and you know, like all this stuff. And the coaches are always trying to argue their call or whatever. Like, I had this one game I did. It was a, my high school team playing a, a team out of, like, Bowling Green area. And uh they were, like, really close. It was, like, zero to zero all the way up to the top of the seventh. That team scored one run, and then they got the three outs. And then Wayne County, which was my high school, scored one, and then they got, like, walked twice, and then – there was a play going to second where the kids slid under the tag, and I called him safe. But just in the bottom of the seventh. It's been a long game, like a three-hour game right now. Bottom of the seventh, the kids running to second, shrubs under tag, I call him safe. Coach Litter comes running out on the field, didn't call time or anything, come running out on the field. It was like trying to physically fight me on the middle of the field.
0: Gee whiz. Yeah. So That's crazy. I,
1: and I feel like when I'm behind the plate, I like, I don't know, I feel like I'm more relaxed almost.
0: Yeah. That 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 makes sense. You kind of you can sit there and you can just kind of watch everything develop in front of you and control it a little bit. That makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Do you, would you say that your uh um umpiring experiences have helped you in mental toughness for cornhole?
1: Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say so because, like, I mean, I partial, I'm personally, I'm partial deaf, so like, it doesn't really. I, I can't hear what everybody's saying behind me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that, that has a big play into my, you know. So, like, I'm just like back there calling my strike. And if the parents are back there saying something about, it, I'm just like, and then I, you know, I keep going in the game. But like, my girlfriend used to come to me to a lot of my games, and she'd be like, "They were making me mad." I was like, "I couldn't even hear them. Don't worry about it." <laughs> So like that that has a big play into me. But I don't know. I think Cornhole, uh, I believe it's just if you're having fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe
1: that's a big part of Cornhole. Like if you're if you're stressed out and trying to win every single game, you're not gonna win
0: it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, that that's something I've always struggled with when I ever since I started was just it me stressing out, or just everything in life and then when I go to Cornhole, I just wanna relax. But if if I start throwing bad, it just makes everything worse. And then my mental fortitude just kind of spirals out of control. And I just kind of go in this deep dive down and I just kind of beat myself up. But here lately I've been, I've been getting that on control and just relaxing when I stepped up with the board and it's really helped me. I've really just kind of been able to take some pressure off and just say, I'm, I'm okay. I, I, I just, I'm just throwing a bag in a hole. It's not that big of a deal. Right. <laughs>
1: See, I mean, personally, like, I know at college, like, I'm super, I'm super, super, super competitive, so I don't want to lose a game. Even if it's against the worst player there, I'm just, like, I'm not losing this game. So, exactly. I, I I get there, and, like, you know, I'm playing everybody, and I know I can beat them, but then whenever I start messing up, I start getting in my head, and then I, they get up, and then it just stresses me out, and, like, I'm just, like, so competitive, it messes with me a lot, I think, because, like, I'm like, oh I know I can beat them, let's just do this, just throw it, and then I end up throwing it too short or throwing it too hard because I'm so aggravated with myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think like, you know, but I, I notice whenever I'm having fun and just talking or like, you know, just relax. It's like I'm in the zone and like it's hard to beat me.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Something you just find that mental space where you just walk in and yeah. it's literally just you and the it's you in the bag and the hole. That's it. I, I find myself sometimes where I'm just like I don't even know that. Notice the guy beside me. I'm just watching their bag on the board, and I'm just throwing my next bag, just again yeah. and again. I feel like that's when I play my best cornhole because I'm just like, I'm I'm just there. I'm present in that moment, and I think it helps me out a lot.
1: Uh, you just focus on. You have your like your tunnel division or just straight down.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, with all that being said, um, how did you get started playing cornhole? Like, what, started, what, what was your first, like, tournaments and everything like that, and how, how did you get into the game?
1: Like, obviously, growing up, like, you know, we're in southeastern Kentucky. Everybody has cornhole. Everybody has that. Family reunion, barbecues, like, whatever it is, you're going to see cornhole. So, like, I've been around it my whole life and everything, and I've always grown up watching my family play and stuff. And then as I got older, you know, I started getting more into it. And when COVID hit, I was working at the Senior Citizen Center. Uh, like, I was volunteering there, like, helping out there, making meals for people, helping, like, make masks and everything to help, you know, try to keep COVID down around the town. And they had cornhole boards in there. So, when I was at working or I had free time, I was in there throwing cornhole all day long. Like, I would get there at 8, and we would leave at, like, 8 because we'd stay after work making masks and just stuff like that trying to, you know, keep the pandemic settled or stuff. So, I was all day just playing cornhole. And then my cousin had a wedding. And I went, to the, my, I went to the wedding, obviously, and we were playing cornhole. And my uncle, he's a pretty big fellow. So, uh, you know, he played cornhole a lot, and he was pretty good at it because he played horseshoe, you know, everything growing up. So he was pretty good at it. And I beat him. He's like, you know what? I'm done. Take these boards. You can have them. <laughs> so, I, so, so I took the opportunity, and I ran with it. I took the boards. I went back to college. And I was like, you know, I was talking to a couple of my buddies. I was like, hey, guys, y'all like cornhole? I love it. I was like, boy, well, let's go play. So we ended up playing. We were like inside in our lobby in the RA uh, in our resident hall playing cornhole all night long. Our RA's would be like, "What are y'all doing playing cornhole?" We're like, "Yeah, we're gonna play cornhole. You want to play?" We would you know try to get the RA's into playing cornhole and everything, but we would end up just playing cornhole all night long. And we're like, you know, we're not awful. And then like we started looking into playing tournaments and stuff, and we seen that like ACL College, we're like, what is this? Let's click on that. So, he clicked on ACL College, and we were looking at it. And I was like, guys, let's start a club. I <laughs> like, what? You're... No, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start a club. They're like, no, you won't. I went down, I talked to my IM director. I was like, hey, can we start a cornhole club? He's like, that's a love that idea. And I was like, okay, let's do it then. <laughs> and then I just started playing every single day, and then it just progressed more and more and more. How did you get into cornhole?
0: So it was actually a pretty similar story, actually. So, I mean, like you said, I think I really started playing cornhole, like, uh, kind of before COVID into COVID. Um, so we had some friends that, uh, me, me and my girlfriend at the time, she's not, not my wife, um, we had some friends that we would go over and have a game night and stuff. And so we just started throwing throwing cornhole and stuff. And it's kind of funny. So the first bag my wife ever threw, we were playing right beside a barbed wire fence. And uh I mean it was like three or four feet away and like to the left or right, and she she threw it and it went straight into the barbed wire fence and tore the bag up so we couldn't play anymore. <laughs> so I give her a hard time about but, but about that now but she's gotten a lot better but (laughs) so um after that we uh i kind of i knew coming into college i was like i'm gonna i i assumed coming into college that there would be a Cornell club at oklahoma state because oklahoma state has a lot of different clubs we have a quidditch club we have a um interpretive dance club we have all kinds of different clubs, like for sports, everything. I just naturally assumed that Oklahoma State was going to have a Cornell club just because I liked playing. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do join uh, the Cornell club. So when I got here, and I found out that there wasn't one, I was like, really? I'm like, I'm like, I'm just going to start my own. I'm like, why not? So, and I know that the processes are a lot different in which. We'll, we'll talk about that more later, but between uh, how a D1 starts a club and how a like a Juco or D2 or D3, but at D1 schools like Oklahoma State, we have to find people that are interested, get a petition going. I had to write an entire constitution for, for a Cornell club, I had to submit that to a committee. Have everybody say, okay, this is a good idea, whatever. I had to find an advisor, a faculty member that would sign off on wanting to advise the Cornell Club. I had to do all these things. So this took me, I, I mean, so my freshman year was August 2020, and I didn't get approved till August or not, not August, October of 2020. And so I was like, okay, I got approved. But it was COVID, so I couldn't do anything because I couldn't hold any events on campus for wow. due to all the all the restrictions. So to do this, I had to I had to wait an entire year. I which I had I had friends that we'd get together that that like, and we kind of built our foundation over that little bit of time. So I had like three or four guys I was throwing with around town and stuff, and like at dorms and stuff. So. I had to wait an entire year to actually start anything. So we actually had our first meeting August of 2021. And Oh wow. And our first meeting we we went to our recreation center on campus where everybody does like basketball and stuff and we had um I believe we had like three sets of boards there and I had bought our first club set cuz I'd gotten a couple sponsorships before we even had a club to go with, I had two sponsorships and I bought a set of cornhole solutions, uh, boards and I brought them to that meeting. We had our first club and luckily I had gotten my word out through some advertisement just on campus and, uh, some freshman recruitment. And we had like 20 or like, I think 20 or 25 people there show up to our first meeting. And I was, I was completely okay with that. That was, that was awesome. And, from then on we just threw every Wednesday at the same time and we've built a pretty solid player base. I mean, I like to say uh, about all but th- um, two or three of our guys we've developed through the Cornell club, just all their skills. Cause most of the guys walked in, just throwing back guard just like most of us have. And there's only a, uh, uh, two or three guys that actually had that competitive experience before, which has been awesome to see them grow too. But I I take pride in knowing that most of our um, players we've developed in house. So that's how that's how our, our cornhole club got started.
1: But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about you know developing the players and your like you know as they came because like probably a good fifty percent of our cornhole club at the minimum is like the bowling team.
0: Exactly, so exactly. you know
1: they all come in there with their bowling throw and they try to throw like you know.
0: Mm-hmm. You,
1: you, I've even seen some people like try to throw. I'm like, you can't do that with that bag. It's got to land quiet Like it can't, like it can't spin like the ball can. You know, I understand like that's literally what you do. You got a scholarship here to college for that, mm-hmm. but this is it's the same motion, similar, but it's a completely different throw and a completely different game. But, you know, it helps if you can like you know you got a technique but now you just got to take that technique and do this versus rolling over with it. And I, I taught a lot of them, like pretty much every one of them would come there and I'm like, you know, I teach them how to throw a bag. Like, you know, some people, like you said, backyard killers, they know how to throw the bag to the hole, but it's completely different when you go from playing with a corn bag to playing with a sticky slick bag. If it lands on that, if it lands in the middle, you don't know where that bag's going to go, or how it's going to cut or, you know, so that's a big thing is like teaching everybody how to get their bag flat. You know, I love, I just, like you said, you have that pride of knowing that you've done that. It makes me like so happy because that's what I want to do with my life. I want to coach and, you know, be, be there and lead someone and stuff like that. So that, you know, even though I'm not a coach.
0: Exactly. So uh, what is, what's the first thing? So like someone walks in to uh, Cumberland's Cornell club What's the, like, what's the first thing? And they want to be a part, and they want to throw just as good as you. What's the first thing that you teach them?
1: The first thing I teach them is, like, don't get down on yourself. I'm like, you know, you're going to play me. Obviously, I'm going to be a lot better. I'll practice and throw it and throw it and throw it and throw for so long. Like, you know, three hours a day, every day. Eventually, that builds up. You're like, You're going to get a lot better than, you know, than your average backyard cornhole player. So the first thing I tell them is, like, you know, have that mental mindset of don't and like be willing to learn and don't d- discourage if I beat you really bad. Like you know, just stick with it. You're not going to be the world best player overnight. You got to come back and stick with it. Like if you want to, if you want to throw, you just hit me up, text me, whatever. We'll get together and we'll throw, and I'll help you. I'll practice with you. I want you. I I love seeing people develop and get better, and enjoy something. And then, you know, so like I said, the first thing I teach, tell them is like, don't get discouraged. Don't get down on yourself. Everybody's not going to be Mr. Matt Guy when they first walk in the doors, you know? So, like, and then the next thing I try to teach them is like mechanics of like, you know, how, how to get your arm swing, like, see if they can need to step, see if they got the power to get to the board without stepping. Try to teach them, like, you know, if you can not step, you're going to be a lot more consistent because you got a lot less movement, you know? And I try to teach them how to get their back flat and how to hold the bag properly.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the best thing that you can do, especially for people that like, say, I mean, you're obviously in the club game. So you, you want to keep, keep those players coming back. And if they're, if they're getting discouraged whenever they see you throw four baggers and airmails and roll shots, every time you throw a bag, they're like, there's no point in me even trying to do this. Cause I'm never going to be able to do that. But in reality, it takes about two or three weeks of throwing and they can do something that's maybe not quite there, but I mean, they're, they're going to be throwing a flat bag and they're going to be able to put it in the hole pretty consistently just with that little bit of work, It it exactly. hole, Corn, I think Cornhole is it's an easy game to get good at, but it's a very hard game to get great at.
1: Exactly. Because yeah, you got to be able to you got to be able to hit every single thing. Like if you want to be great, you want to be up at the top level baggage. You got to be like you got to have everything. You got to have that road shot, flop shot, like exactly. every shot. You got to be able to execute it every time you have to. And like, you know, and like obviously i'm not great because i'm not a pro you know but like i feel like i'm pretty decent and like you know and like they come in there and they see me hit the pro shot and they're like that's so cool how do you do that and i try to like i'm like listen i want to teach you so bad but first let's get your back flat and get you to where you're hitting the board consistent Mm -hmm. after you do that i will teach you all you want but you got to get that flat back first
0: yep i i totally agree with that i i think I think teaching them the basics is the first step. I mean, that flat bait they need to learn how to slide it before they can airmail it. And then they, they need to learn how to airmail it before they can roll it. And then they need to know how to do all these things in succession. And then they can, that, that's how you become really good is learning in steps and doing, doing it the right way. And that, that's how you get good.
1: And I think a lot of you know it's like some people like you know they go on TV and they watch Matthew Quick Killer for example like it there there's no stopping him you cannot lay a bag down and expect him not to score if you can't push that bag yep like there's no way to stop his row like you can't that's a you know you can stop an ammo maybe if they can't hit it clean enough you can have a bag in the hole and they can drag yours but as you have a bag in front there's no stopping a row bag if you're good at Matthew Quick Killer for
0: example yep that's like, exactly right.
1: But you can – it's so easy to be like sitting at home on the couch or whatever like me show you a video and be like, hey, watch this shot real quick. And you watch it and you're like, oh, that's easy. No problem. <laughs> Tell me how to do that real quick. And then, you know, and you're like, okay. And then they like – they want to jump straight into like the hardest shot you can possibly do. And then they completely forget the basics. And by the time like they learn how to do that, you try to say like, hey, you need to get that bag flat right up the middle of the holder for the game. They throw a they throw a simple slot shot and it's like completely cutting off the board, rolling over the back, or like you know they can't get a simple shot out
0: Exactly, I think I think one thing that has I mean we've all seen it sweep cornhole as a whole is the roll bag, and especially I mean that's one thing I mean I've struggled with in my playing career is I want to I want to know how to throw a roll bag but the times that I've tried to attempt throwing a roll bag, it messes my slide shot up and then, then it just messes my whole rhythm up. So I need to learn how to naturally throw it. And then I can move to being able to throw it consistently. Cause if I can learn how to throw it with my regular slide shot and not have to change anything besides maybe a grip or whatever, or how I'm holding the bag, then then I can actually do it consistently and not affect how I'm throwing. Cause I've seen that with like our, our guys that we have at Oklahoma state. It's like they, they want to know how to throw a roll bag before they have their own form down. And then it messes their entire rhythm up. They, they change their entire form to learn that one shot. And then they lose their slide shot that they had before.
1: Exactly. Like,
0: personally, like, when I got back from college nationals, I wasn't
1: throwing hot. I was like, you know what, I got to figure something out that's going to work for me. I need to practice every single day. I got to figure something out that, you know, that's going to make me a better player so I can make a run for it next year. And so, like, I was working on slide shot, slide shot, slide shot. And I was like, you know, I'm getting decent at this, but, like, I kind of want to take it up to the next step. You know, I want to figure out something that's going to help me. So I started trying to learn the road shot, and that's all I would do is just straight road shot. I would lay bags across the board, learn the road shot, learn the road shot, like every day. That's all I would do. And then after I get done my road like trying to practice on the road shot, I would go back to just put the bag in front of the hole, push it you know, just trying to figure something out. Like, like I said, trying to figure out what I can do to, like, fuck my game up. Because, like, yeah, roll really is taking over the cornhole community, but there's not a whole lot of people that can do it super consistent every single time.
0: Like exactly, eventually, eventually
1: it's going to get to that point where everybody can roll a bag every time, but right now it's still like it's still in the development stage because there's so many new shots coming out, like the penguin shot, the bar stuff. Like all mm-hmm. of these shots are starting to come out, you know. Everybody's like, Oh, let's go learn that, but they can't do that simple shot consistently.
0: Yep, exactly. The slide shot is the probably the best shots you can throw in Cornell. overall. I mean just straight up, because you're going to throw it every time. Uh, my my baseball coach I had in high school, he would always be like, what's the best pitch in baseball? And we're like, I don't know, curve, fastball. He said, strike one. And then, what's the second Is best that? pitch in baseball? He said, change up. <laughs> and then he said, what's, what's the third best pitch in baseball? And he'd be like, strike three.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, can't, you can't do nothing if you don't have a solid base. You can't, like,
0: You can throw,
1: you can throw a strike after you throw three balls, and then you can't mess up no more. Like, you got to have that strike one. You got to start out ahead.
0: Exactly, that's exactly right. If you look
1: at, look at the top level backer, you got Matt Guy, you got Damon Dennis. Like, you got a lot of those are like consistently like Damon Dennis is on a three peat for senior championship of the nationals right now. Matt Guy won the singles, and the first one was it. Yep, national number one. He won singles and then he just won doubles this uh, recent weekend. Mm-hmm. Like what? What all does he do? He throws a single. He throws a slide shot and an aim up. All he has.
0: Which I I I've seen the dude roll it before too, but I mean you can you can tell he's more apt to want to uh, air mail it more than anything. Because I mean, dur- during the game, I was I was watching the game um the other day when it was him versus Matthew Creek killer Creek Killer's doing his thing, roll, block, roll, and doing that. And Matt would set a block, and Matt Guy would – Matthew Creek Killer would set, set a block, and then Matt Guy would just air mount right over it and just hit it hit it really consistently.
1: I mean, you know, talking about, you know, having just a simple slide and air melt, although Damon Dennis is one of the top players It's like, you know, old-style game-changer, slide, air melt. I have been seeing him throw a lot of cut
0: shots lately. I don't know if you've exactly. seen that or not, but
1: he's been yeah. throwing a lot of cut
0: Yeah, he has. And it's, it's impressive to see him throw a cut shot
1: on a slick side game changer.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty impressive to see that. And that I mean that's a shot that I've I feel like I've kind of perfected here lately is doing doing a cut shot. I don't know why. It's it's it feels more natural to me than like just wanting to roll it, just cause I can release God, it release it in that right to left fashion. And I can just get it to kind of hit over. And there's sometimes I'm surprised about how much it did cut. Cause I'll land it. <laughs> I'll, I have a, I have a blocker that's about halfway up the board and I'll land it in the perfect spot, but it cuts in front of the hole and I'm like, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. And then, and then like whenever I, I figured out, Oh, if I pitched up a little bit more, if I land like two inches or three inches down from the hole, on the right side, I can cut that hard into the hole. And I've, I've, hit, it, I've hit it to where I can cut it kind of uh, not quite vertically across the board, but kind of at maybe like a 30, 25-degree angle up across the board.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed I have perfected the cut shot a lot too. And, like, I got to the point where I was throwing the cut shot so much that it was almost like my natural bag. Like, you know, it was coming out in a slot angle and it was like I would have to land it more toward the right and then it would cut back over to the hole. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes that had that can play in your favor. Like if you have somebody constantly throwing a block, you can throw that little bit of a cut. But you know that's a big thing too. Like a cut shot it's a very popular shot because it's a pretty simple shot to hit. You know it's like a slide shot with just a little bit of an angle.
0: Yeah it's it's not too hard to learn. It's more just like an angle on your hand and then i mean the and the interesting thing about a roll bag which i guess i guess depending on how you angle the bag it can be a roll or a flop depending on exactly. how you throw it so there're two different shots but achieve the same goal about getting over that that front bag but it's it's kind of the similar situation instead of angling your hand left or right you angle it front or back and God. It's how you hop over the bag in that instance,
1: and I think that has also another big uh, play into like what bags you're throwing.
0: Yes, because if you're throwing a
1: Valken, a BG Vokin, you know that's a super sticky bag. If you put a little backload on it, you can roll that all the way up the board. Yep. Like for example, you grab a game changer and you try to backload up. You're lucky if you're 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 just gonna slide.
0: Yeah. Yep. You're just gonna land land and it's just going to slide right up the board without much hop to it
1: you know like you can roll a game changer but the best way to roll a game changer is like what people call a flop which is that front load mm-hmm. kind of like a little lower and harder it's going to hit that bag
0: yep so it's, it's going to use the inertia on it and flip it over and then just yeah. kind of back in over it yeah so well i think that's our time um Join us again next in two weeks. Whenever we revisit the world of Collegiate Cornhole, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah.